At the beginning of Parshas Nitzavim, Hashem makes a covenant with the Jewish people. Rashi picks up on the language of how this covenant is stated, and he teaches us something that will give us a great insight into the difference between the covenant that was made at the time of the giving of the Torah, the one that is made as the Jews are about to enter Eretz Yisrael, how that covenant is sustained through the course of history, and we're also going to learn from this some deep insights into what we should be doing around Rosh Hashanah. In Onayim Sedra, Vedetzelfing the Christus Bris from the Mebishim Mithid in the beginning of the parish includes the making of a covenant between Hashem and the Jewish people and the words of the Pasuk say, that David is going to take you into a covenant with him. As we'll see, Rashi picks up on that word. In order that he should establish you today for him as a nation, that's the part that Rashi is going to uh, examine in detail. Rashi takes those words that the covenant is in order to make you today for him a nation and is mefarish and he says these words. This is how much Debeshter has invested himself to work hard in order to sustain you or, or establish you in front of him as a nation. What's Rashi telling us that we don't already know? The Pasuk says that Hashem wants to establish you as a nation for him and Rashi effectively seems to say the same thing. What's Rashi tell, telling us? How are we now learning the Pasuk differently to how we would have learned it without Rashi's commentary? So the Mephoshim are going to suggest that <coughs> what Rashi is telling us is that the covenant is to get us committed to fulfill the mitzvahs and thereby we will be his nation. The Rebbe says that doesn't really fit with the language. Mephoshim lenin, as Rashi is shver, what's bothering Rashi according to the Mephoshim is that Tzerich von der Christus Bris is doch given. Seems like the reason why there is a covenant is not to make us his nation, nor, but rather to use the expression of the Re'im who comments on Rashi, in order that the people should be afraid of the fact that they have this covenant with Hashem and therefore, key information, they should observe the Torah. In other words, the Mephoshim suggests a Christus Bris of Shmiras HaMitzvah that actually the Torah over here is speaking about a covenant which is with regards to us committing ourselves via covenant to fulfill Hashem's mitzvahs. So it's bothering Rashi is then if that's the case, if this whole purpose of this covenant is that we should be dedicated to Hashem's mitzvahs, why does the language of the Pasuk say that it's a covenant to make us His nation? That, say the Mephoshim, is what's bothering Rashi, to which he answers, that the goal of what Rashi is telling us is, the Pasuk is not here to tell us the purpose of this covenant. Rather, the Torah is telling us why the Ebeshter is investing so-called effort again to make a covenant with us. Why the Ebeshter is going to the so-called extent of making a covenant with us. Seeing as they've already promised us that he'll never trade us for another nation. It's actually going to be the next thing Rashi speaks about. So if Hashem has already promised us that we're going to be his nation and there are no exchanges, 
then really the bris should have been, now what are you going to do? You're going to observe mitzvahs. And that would guarantee, if we're doing the mitzvahs, then there's no reason why Hashem should create any distance between us. Which would of course be different to the original promise that he made us. In other words, those words that Hashem is going to establish you as a nation, are not linked specifically to the words before it that Hashem is making a bris with you. In other words, don't think that the purpose of making this covenant is to establish us as a nation. Rather, Rashi is telling us that why is Hashem so-called investing the effort in order to make a covenant? It's because the Ebishter wants to ensure that we will remain his nation. How so? By being committed to doing his mitzvahs. That's how the Mephoshim explained Rashi's comment. In other words, Rashi is telling us that the Pasuk emphasizes the purpose of this particular bris is that we should be committed to Torah mitzvahs and therefore Hashem should have no reason to distance from us. But the Rebbe is not satisfied with that explanation. The Pirishes of Anitfrashtadik doesn't seem to make sense because this correlation between our behavior and Hashem's covenant with us is not news. The concept that Hashem will establish us as His nation and we in turn will accept Him as our God and the fact that we'll commit to observing mitzvahs, they are completely dependent one on the other. As many psukim in the Torah tell us, we will be Hashem's nation when we observe the mitzvahs. In fact, even these commentators on Rashi mention exactly this point in this commentary. Because they say, they mention that if we reject Torah and mitzvahs, then the Ebishter will create distance between us. And that would be in contravention of the great oath that Hashem made that he'd never separate from us. So we already know that by us observing Torah mitzvahs, that will cement our relationship with Hashem. And if chas we turn our backs on Hashem, we could have repercussions. Why then would Rashi have to bring an innovative insight into this Pasuk to say to us the words to establish you as a nation are not, is actually not linked to what's stated clearly in the Pasuk. Why am I making a bris? in order to establish you as a nation, but instead Rashi is suggesting that the the whole purpose of the bris is related to something that's not stated in the Pasuk, that Hashem is investing in ensuring that we actually observe mitzvahs. Why would Rashi do that? If there is an alternative that Rashi would have preferred, because Rashi is the Pshat of Torah, he would have preferred Shuri to explain it according to Pshat. Why am I making a covenant with you? To make you into my nation. And if it is the Pshat, Rashi wouldn't have to say anything because it's actually self-evident to the Pasuk. That why is there a covenant? Yes, the practicality of the covenant is that we should do Torah mitzvahs. But what's the purpose of the covenant? Is the man Because the Ebishter wants to create this relationship with us. We'll be his nation. He'll be our king. Which obviously means that we're going to observe Torah mitzvahs and that's going to keep our relationship alive. So the Mephoshim don't really give us clarity in a key area that we need to understand. Why is Rashi explaining something that seems to be self-evident in the Pasuk? Plus, there's another issue with the explanation that we've just given, which is, Lefirish Zeh Kumtais, as a Chiddush von Rashi is nit in Diverta, Hakim Oishoi Hayom Lo Loom, 
based on how the Mephoshim are explaining Rashi, Rashi is actually not helping us to understand the meaning of those words, establish you as a nation. He's only explaining what the meaning of the word Laman is. Where Rashi is showing us the Laman because or in order to is not linked to what was said in the earlier part of the Pasuk that Hashem wants you to have a covenant but rather is related to Rashi's insight that Debesh is investing so much effort. Or Rashi is telling us that the word Laman which often means in order that something should happen in the future Laman Yubuyumechem no, lefi over here actually means because. Rashi is actually explaining to us that this Laman means why is Debish investing so much effort? Because of something, right? Because, because of, of our relationship and, and, and how we have to cement this re- relationship. So if we're going to go with the Mephosh, and where the key word that Rashi is explaining is the word Laman, why then does Rashi have to include in his header, why does Rashi include, not only in the headline, but even in the commentary itself, those words to establish you as a nation, if according to the Mephosh, that's not what Rashi is actually explaining. He's explaining why there's a bris, in order to keep our commitment to Hashem alive, so that we don't land up being distanced from Him. And plus Nochmer, there are three ways in which Rashi states in his Pirush the same content as the Pasuk in a different way to the Pasuk, and we have to understand why. Number one in Pasuk state, Hey Kim, on Rashi Zokt Kayem, so that's a difference of the same word to establish. Why the difference? Based upon the Pasuk says that David is going to establish you for him as a nation, whereas Rashi is Rashi says he's going to make you a nation be for him. Big difference. And lastly, Gimel Rashi is Mashbut and Vort Hayoim. Why does Rashi leave out a key word in the Pasuk, which is Hashem today is going to make you a nation, and Rashi ignores that word today? From all of that information, it must be clear to us, as a Chidosh and Pirish Rashi do, what Rashi does want to give us insight into in this Pasuk is nit in the vertical kachonichnas litroyach it's not those words which the other Mephoshim were focusing on that Hashem goes to such an extent to invest in us even though that is the opening phrase of Rashi's comment but it's clear both from his headline and from the words that he uses in, the, in his interpretation that the key words Rashi wants to explain in the Pasuk are Laman this principle of establishing us as a nation. That's what Rashi is tackling. We haven't yet worked out what's bothering Rashi about those words. Rashi is not simply quoting the Pasuk, but he's explaining a, an, an insight into the Pasuk that we might have gotten wrong. As the Taichun Hekim in the Pasuk is Kayem, we've got to understand what that means, why Hekim is Dafka translated as Kayem, and why to him actually means before him. And we'll see what all of that means by understanding one simple question that bothers Rashi. The Rashi has a very simple question, and that is what do you mean when you say that this covenant is today? How is it possible for the Torah to tell us that Hashem is making a covenant with us in order that today we should be His nation? That day when Moshe gathered the entire Jewish people together just before he passed away, that's when that's when we become Hashem's nation. That makes no sense. 
We well know all the way back in Parashat Yisroi that we were established as Hashem's nation already at the time of the giving of the Torah. So what's bothering Rashi is here the Torah implies that today, the day of Moshe's passing, is when we become a nation. How does that make sense? Vostefar. It's for that reason, when the Pasuk Zogt, when the Pasuk tells us, in Parashas Kisovoi, Hayoim Azeni Yisraom, today you've become a, a nation. Rashi tackles it. Bavon Klaich Rashi. Hasos Meitnit Azinyenem Togni Yisraom. Rashi immediately tells us, that doesn't mean on the day that was said, that's when the Jewish people became a nation. Now, Bechol Yoim, Yu Benecho Kila Yoim, Bosa Imoi Bivris. Rather, Rashi says, the Pasuk's telling us, feel every single day as if today is the day we made a pact with Hashem of our commitment to Him and His commitment to us. And in the Pasuk that says, Today Hashem is instructing you to do mitzvahs. Also there, Rashi says, also in Pasuk Kisavai, is Rashi Mefarish, B'chol yom yubeinecha kadoshim. That your experience of Torah mitzvah should be that every day it's absolutely fresh and new. You should do Torah mitzvahs with a commitment and enthusiasm as if today you had been told to do it for the first time. And by extension we can understand the same thing in Parashas Kisavu where it speaks about how Hashem selected us and we selected Hashem and in both cases it says today seeing as that is in the immediate context after being told that every mitzvah should be absolutely fresh and new to us every day naturally our selection of Hashem and vice versa is something that should happen every single day so therefore Rashi is wondering how come over here it says today you became a nation so Rashi explains it does not mean that today is the day on Moshe's passing when the Jews became a nation for the first time because that's patently not true but rather as the man so therefore Rashi tells us, over here the word Hakim does not mean like it normally means to establish something for the first time. No, Kayem, it means to sustain something that already exists. So Oif Halton Eden Al Om, the commitment of this bris is that Hashem is going to sustain us as his nation. That's obviously something which is dependent on an action that Hashem will take to make us or to sustain us as his nation. So let's put that into the chronological context. At the time of the giving of the Torah, what happened is the Jewish people were transformed into Hashem's nation and that of course happened for the very first time. But, there's no guarantees that will be forever. There's always the possibility that if we misbehave or subsequent generations would misbehave, so yes, we were made to be Hashem's nation, but potentially we could lose that status based on poor choices. Therefore, we get the bris in our parasha, which consolidates the original bris. That's what Rashi is telling us. The purpose of this second bris in Parashas Nitzavim is to consolidate and cement in our relationship that we will always be Hashem's nation. <coughs> this is the moment where the covenant between Hashem and us becomes eternal. Is, that's why this is the place in the Torah where the Torah emphasizes the covenant is not only with those who are physically present at the time but even those who are not yet present in other words hadn't yet been born in future generations that's Rashi's Chiddush 
that the key word over here, Hayoim, does not mean today is the day that the covenant is made for the first time. Rather, today is the day the covenant is ratified in an eternal way. Now, the child is going to ask, the five-year-old who's learning this will say, okay, but where's the guarantee that our behavior won't wreck the relationship as it could have done after Har Sinai? Seeing as the original covenant between Hashem and us at Sinai could have been adjusted based on our behavior. Is my Ume Haimi Hai, why is this one stronger than that one? What distinguishes and empowers this covenant as in Im Kenit Verenken Shunu that it will never change? Why would it never change? What's the guarantee over here? So Rashi addresses that and he says, well, that's because they were just investing, so to speak, in this one. Is Rashi Maktim. At this point in time, they were just so much investing into this particular covenant with the Jewish people. But then says, they were so to speak, using extra effort and input. It's almost, so to speak, as if they were invested more into this particular Covenant than the one before. How does Rashi know it? It's in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that the Ebesh is going to carry you over into the Bris. Rashi, Rashi explains what does that mean? It's the way that you make covenants where you create two parts or two elements and then the people making the covenant would pass through those two elements. Says Rashi, The way that Rashi describes it is where you've got a partition on either side and the two members making the pact walk through that partition. Rashi says the Ebesh, so to speak, walks through the partition, implying that he comes to the party, he invests himself in this particular Christus Bris even more than the others. And this is a Bris that is also associated with another form of, of promise, the, the, the Allah, the, the undertaking of Hashem. Because Hashem is invested so strongly in this particular covenant with us, that's going to change who we are in the context of this particular relationship. So what could Chas V'Sholem interfere with our relationship if we turn our back on Torah and Mitzvahs? When Hashem invests so deeply in our relationship, it changes our commitment that we're not going to renege so easily. So because we have changed, we're not going to relinquish our dedication to Hashem. And Rashi alludes to this fact that the Jewish people will be in a different status because of this particular covenant. How does Rashi allude to that? Rashi explains it by saying not only will we be dedicated to Hashem as His nation, but we'll be before Hashem, which implies closeness, will always be close to Hashem. The difference between saying will be for Him or be for Him is when we say that we're it means we are Hashem's nation. And that could be even at a distance. Whereas the fun of law meant as the om is nit nor zainer. When he says that we're before him as a nation, it means not only do we belong to the Ebishter, which could apply even remotely. The emphasis is we're in front of Hashem. We're close to Hashem over here. We're with Hashem. 
הדרך וישתתן אסכולס הסדר אתם ניצבים היום כולכם לפני השם אלקיכם גוימר and that's very much the theme of this parasha because the parasha started off by saying you're all standing in front of Hashem so what's Rashi telling us that Debeshtein invests extra into this covenant therefore it's not going to fall to pieces as a direct result of that we feel closer to Hashem and therefore more dedicated and so we're not going to reject Hashem which could ruin our chances of relationship because of that dual investment from the Abish side and from ours, this covenant is not going to fall to pieces. As long as we are his nation, but that could even happen at a distant, in an abstract, in a, in a superficial way. Well, then it's possible that we could lose sight and lose the sensitivity to the fact that we are a nation that Hashem had, clo- had chosen. And so therefore, the nature of our relationship could, could change. What do they say? That's out of sight, out of mind. You know, if we don't feel that closeness to Hashem, we could feel a, a, a um, decrease or decline in our relationship with Him. But Debeshter now establishes clearly that we will always be before, close to him as a nation. Zusammen mit him, that will be with him, then we are assured that our relationship and commitment to Hashem, our covenant with Hashem, will not weaken. Now, we're going to take all of this to a spiritual perspective too. Firstly, we're going to see how what Rashi says aligns deeply with what the Alter Rebbe teaches about this time of the year. And then we're going to understand the, the duality of our experience of Rosh Hashanah, what Rosh Hashanah is all about, and how it applies to us as individuals in our preparations for Rosh Hashanah. And then Rashi says, Here is a clear example of Rashi's commentary. Together with the fact that Rashi says, my objective over here is just to explain the simplest understanding of the Pesukim. Needless to say, whatever words Rashi uses are all carefully chosen to give us the best insight into the Pshat. In addition to that, Rashi is such a master that in the same words he uses to explain the Pshat, he also gives us insight into the deepest spiritual secrets of the Torah. So what's Rashi's message according to the simple understanding of these psukim? Rashi says the whole chap over here is that the Jewish people are now in proximity. We're close to Hashem, we're with Hashem, and that's a permanent fixture. You get a much better insight to understand what this is, and Rashi's explanation really aligns with the Alter Rebbe's explanation in the word Am. So the Altareba picks out over here the word Am, which usually has a particular meaning which is not so positive, and here says it's a positive meaning. Meaning, the Altareba points out that in this particular passage, Am, a nation, does not mean as it usually does. It doesn't come from the glowing coals, which is usually the association we make with the word am, implying something that has left the fire, that is not as close to Hashem as it should be. No far carrot. Here, the Abish is saying something different according to the, to the Rebbe. That am comes to the word imoy, love. That here the Torah is emphasizing that we are close to Hashem, 
Aber eben in a sense similar to Hashem. Le man hakim aisrakim loy laom is das was de ebesh der heut eif eden ad beginnes machshava ho elioina says the Alter Rebbe here the pasuk is telling us that the ebesh der lifts up his nation to the highest level of primal thought in other words the motivation of the whole of creation which is exactly what Rashi is saying lefon of laom we come close to the ebesh der we're close and we're in his proximity we're in his space we're together with Hashem. Let's develop Rashi's insight into this parasha from a perspective of Hasidus in a much more profound way and as mentioned that relates directly to Rosh Hashanah. Let's go back. The beginning of the parasha says you stand this day before Hashem. We famously know what the Alter Rebbe says. The Alter Rebbe in Luke tells us the day where we all stand before Hashem is Rosh Hashanah and that's when we stand with this incredible strength and <clears throat> as we know that's why we don't uh, we don't have to bench the, the month because Abish is doing it giving us the strength in order to stand firm on Rosh Hashanah. So the Alter Rebbe explains that every single year in Rosh Hashanah we have to recall that the original Rosh Hashanah is a day of commitment and covenant between us and Hashem and we're supposed to recall that every single Rosh Hashanah. Now, here's where it gets very interesting because we've already identified other Pesukim already in Pashas Kisavi with the word Hayoim. Says the Alter Rebbe, they're all linked to um, to Rosh Hashanah. Today Hashem commands you. Hashem has chosen you as His people today. Well, you've chosen Hashem as yours. God and Hashem has chosen you as His people. It's one theme that runs through all of those references to today. They're all about Rosh Hashanah and about this unique covenant and bond between us and Hashem that is forged on Rosh Hashanah. Now, we have seen from Rashi's insight that there are actually two phases to how the covenant happens, right? There was the original covenant and the ratified covenant. So we're going to apply that to Rosh Hashanah too. We've already identified, based on Rashi, that the two different psukim illustrate two different degrees of connection to Hashem. In other words, one thing is originally to become his nation, and then there's another stage where Hashem endorses our relationship and establishes our relationship for the long term as his, as his people. Both of those themes play out on Rosh Hashanah. How so? We're going to understand it based on an insight that the Rebbe's father makes on the Alter Rebbe's teaching. So the, 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 the Rebbe's father comments on the Zohar as follows. There he points out that the Pasuk, from Pashas Kisove, that today you became a nation, that refers to Rosh Hashanah. This is what the Rebbe's father says. We can say that this Pasuk, today is the day that you've become a nation, is a reference to Rosh Hashanah. So it refers to this day, which is a reference to Rosh Hashanah. Now what the Rebbe's father says next is going to show us that there are two perspectives about Rosh Hashanah. Up until this point, we've seen the thread that runs through all dates or all references in the Torah that are about Rosh Hashanah as being Hayoim. Here the Rebbe's father says, Rosh Hashanah is called Zeh. 
How do we know that? The Pasuk says, That today, Rosh Hashanah, is the day of the beginning of your work. So now, the Reb Levik is giving us a new insight. Not only is Hayoim the identifier of Rosh Hashanah, but so is the word Zeh. And he says, There's something unique about the sixth day of creation, which becomes Rosh Hashanah, which is greater and higher than the 25th of Elul, the, the anniversary of the creation of the world. Says Reb Levik, on that day, Rosh Hashanah, you became a, a, a nation. Because our pasuk, the one we're dealing with, says, Today Hashem has established you as a nation, which is today Rosh Hashanah. And then he refers, that you've got to learn further in the Alter Rebbe's Maimer on this in Parashas This raises a question for us. What links the two psukim and gives them any correlation? The day we became a nation. And being established permanently as a nation. What links the two? We can understand what links the two. We get it. You're bringing these two psukim to speak about the general principle, which is that you became a nation and then it was ratified. So we know that Hayoim is an association with Rosh Hashanah. So we get that as a Yom Gate of Rosh Hashanah. So what are we doing? We have we've got two psukim. One of them we know the Alter Rebbe says Hayom refers to Rosh Hashanah. The one in our pasuk in our parasha in Nitzavim. We're also linking the pasuk Hayom from Pasha's Kitavai. And there's also got the word Hayom. So now we know that that is also on Rosh Hashanah. That's all good. What we need to understand from Reb Leivik's insight is Why does Reb Leivik add to the mix that how do we know when we're referring to Rosh Hashanah? It's because of the word Zeh. Why is that now suddenly the indicator of Rosh Hashanah? The fact that we refer in a Pasuk that Hayoim is the indicator of Rosh Hashanah is because of the word Hayoim. Nothing to do with the word Zeh. The word Hayoim refers to Rosh Hashanah. And how do we know that? Well, firstly, the Alter Rebbe tells us anytime the Torah refers to Hayoim, it's Rosh Hashanah. In Lukut Torah, and the Ramaz quoting, commenting on the Zohar says, "Is mevoir as nikra hayoyim? Why is it called hayoyim? Lefishu hayoyim ha shishi shabayi nevra adamarishin hayoyim hayodua. Why is it called the day? Because in the course of creation, every day is referred to generically: yoyim rishon, yom sheni, yom echad, yom sheni, yom shlishi. When it comes to the sixth day of creation, the time that Adam Arishan was created, which is the original Rosh Hashanah. There the Torah says, Ha Shishi, Hey Ayyadiyah, the definite article. So therefore, says Ramaz, every time it says, Ha Yoim, the day, it must refer to a day we already know about. Which one is it? The sixth day of creation, i.e. Rosh Hashanah. So it's quite clear the link between Ha Yoim and Rosh Hashanah. But Reblevik is saying, that the link between the Pasuk Hayoim Azeh and Rosh Hashanah is not the word Hayoim, but it's the word Zeh. In other words, implying that the Hayoim is kind of not good enough to link it to Rosh Hashanah. And we also need the word Zeh. Strange. Now, to me, it's not starker. What makes this an even more compelling question is, 
In der Herr Gufa bringt er gleich dann noch Kanal den Posse Glamano, Kimois Rayoim Loi Le Om. Straight afterwards, as we've just seen, Rebleibik also quotes the other Posse Glamano, Kimois Ra, Shekoy al Rosh Hashanah, which refers to Rosh Hashanah. Dot steht nicht ein Yomazen, that doesn't have the, 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 the denoter Hazed, this, this day. As well as, of course, the which the Rebbeik is referring to in Alter Rebbe's Maimer. And there we say that Hayom refers to Rosh Hashanah, and it does not have the words there. So why is Hayom Azeni Yisalom suddenly pegging the word Zeh as evidence to the fact that it's Rosh Hashanah instead of just relying on the word Hayom? The answer is Rosh Hashanah has two serious, there's two major components to it. One component is represented by the word And so therefore the Pasuk in Kisove that's talking about Rosh Hashanah that says it's the Zeh that links it to Rosh Hashanah. So when the Reb Leivik quotes that particular Pasuk that is a Pasuk that speaks about what the Zeh aspect of Rosh Hashanah is. And then there's another dimension of Rosh Hashanah which is, which is related to the word Hayom on its own, which is referenced in other Psukim. We need to understand what is the difference between the Zeh and the Hayom components of Rosh Hashanah. So the Birbo says as follows. Yes, if you say Ha Yom, the day, you're obviously referring to a day that we know as being special for a particular reason. In this case, the day that Adam Arishan was created and therefore the Rosh Hashanah as it was going to be throughout the whole of creation. That's what's so, the whole of history. So that's what's so special about it. But once you say you add that word that's further clarity which means not only do I know theoretically that this is an important day but means something so real so HD that you can point at it with your finger as Rashi says in Zekeli Van Veyu in Ozi Osher. So Hayom is, it's a specially designated day. Hazeh is, we can see what's so special about its designation. Which gives us a whole new insight into Rashi's perspective in the Torah. In Parashat Sukhan where it says, That I command you today. There Rashi says, today means every single day you should consider the Torah as if it was new. That's how Rashi says it. Don't look at the Torah as some old document. But as if it were a new document. With a chof, which is a comparative letter. Whereas the pasuk that has the word Zeh in it. It's the same content. Today Hashem is instructing you. Except now it says Hazeh. Rashi says, Every single day the Torah should be brand new to you without this relative term of like it was new. Likewise, when the Yidin arrive at Har Sinai, and what does it say? They didn't come on Hayom, but rather Bayom Hazeh. Rashi says, this is to teach us that Torah should be new to us every single day. So now there's a distinction between something which is new and like new. 
We can explain why that is based on our distinction we made between ze and Hayoim. In Parashas Yisra V'sovoi, when Pasek Shet Hayoim HaZeh Bayoim HaZeh, in the two references, by Matan Torah and in Parashas Kisovoi, where it added the word HaZeh, is Asmat Geshas, the talk from Matan Torah is by Meir Begoloi, that indicates at that time, Say, for example, you're standing at Matan Torah, it's very clear. The revelation, the clarity is so bright, so absolute. As Maribetzpah, you can literally point with a finger. As Zet, as far as Zayna Egan, you see it happening in front of your eyes. So the words of Torah are new because it's happening, it's real, it's happening to you right now. Whereas the reference in Parashas Voyeschan, which speaks about Hayoim, so it's dynamic and it's now, but it doesn't add the word Hazeh. Which is effectively saying we should be conscious of the giving of the Torah on a daily basis, but not calling on us to feel like we're standing there right now today. If you can't actually point a finger, it's not then it's like something new, but it doesn't actually feel new. So what's our distinction? Ha-yoim is taka, a day of clarity. We know that something's happening. It's like it's happening today. Versus ha-yoim which means it is happening today. And that's exactly reflected in Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah has two key components, and they are alluded to by, by the expression that we use in our davening on Rosh Hashanah. What do we say? We say, On the one hand, we say, This is the day of the beginning of your deeds, of your action, of your creation. And then we follow it immediately based by saying, And it commemorates the original day of creation. What's the difference? When we say this is the day of the beginning of your work, we're actually referring to the date Adam Harishan was created, the sixth day of creation. That's That's the first time in the process of creation where there is the possibility of Zeh, of identifying with clarity that Hashem actually exists. Only once they're humans is it possible to reveal godliness in the lower worlds. Because the only being capable of revealing godliness within the world is a human who has a neshama. Whereas currently, the second component of Rosh Hashanah, which is to recall the first day, i.e. the first day of creation, which that refers to the 25th of Elul. The first day of the process of creation, where now there's creation, but there's not yet revelation. Why is that the 25th of Elul? Because that's Koi, which is a more distant, more abstracted version of divine revelation. As we know. The difference between regular Nevoah, which is Koi, not a clear picture, and Moishe's Nevoah, which is Zeh, absolutely uh, ultra high definition. The 25th of Elul, that's when the concept of creation started. But it's like there's newness, like there's godliness. At the point of creation, you don't really see the truth. You just see kind of an apparition of the truth. And like a, a reflection almost of the reality. In other words, in Welt, at that point, you couldn't yet point your finger and say, but there's an Abishta creating the world at every moment. You just saw that there's a world that exists, and of course there's a power that made it exist. 
for the first five days of creation, the dynamic divine energy that makes everything exist is completely hidden from view and there's no way to expose it. Okay, so that's how it was then, right? So the first five days of creation, you cannot see a revelation of godliness. And on the sixth day of creation, now there's a human being who can say, right, here is Hashem, let's acknowledge and let's connect to Hashem. Okay, that's how it was then at the beginning of creation. Now what's unique about Rosh Hashanah is both components play out on Rosh Hashanah itself. Nowadays, the recreation of the world, which is represented by the 25th of Elul, Elul has no relevance in today's dynamic. It's purely historical. That's what happened once upon a time. But the recreation of the world happens annually now on Rosh Hashanah. Why is that? Because now that we exist as people, all flow of divine energy that's going to come into this, into this world will be dependent on our input as people. And therefore, nowadays, the recreation of the entire existence happens on the day of the recreation of humans because we contextualize and give value to creation. So the fact that Rosh Hashanah now has both components to it. The fact that the creation of the world is now pegged to Rosh Hashanah, no longer to the 25th of Elul. It's not like some kind of uh, sidebar, some kind of um, appendix to the, uh, the main thrust of Rosh Hashanah. Because the main thing of Rosh Hashanah is we're creating it, by the way. So there's also a side benefit that the world gets refreshed every year in Rosh Hashanah. The whole point is, why is the world recreated annually on Rosh Hashanah? Because this is the time that we, who have the capacity to say, to reveal Godliness in the world, we're being recreated at this time. Like the Moshe that is brought in the Siddur um, before Tkiyas, a person who's worked on something for a period of time because he was motivated or he enjoys what he's doing, if that person becomes worn out and tired from the work that they did as much as they love it, the way to get the person back to the job is not by saying you need to work, it's by reigniting the passion. That's how you're going to get the person back to the, to the workstation. And when it happens that the person now gets this refreshed passion about the work that they're going to do, naturally, when a person feels the enjoyment of what they're doing, naturally they do it with much greater enthusiasm and certainly not sluggishly. That's the Moshev Hashanah, which plays out in Rosh Hashanah. Because what is Rosh Hashanah all about? Rosh Hashanah is Tamli Chuni. It's the day we accept and coronate Hashem as our King. Which Siddhas explains means not just that we go through some kind of a, a, an external process of we declare Hashem as King. 
But actually what we do is we re-invoke Hashem's pleasure in being the king over us and over the world. In other words, we bring into the world not just the mechanics of keeping the world alive, but the far deeper experience of wanting the world to live, which is something only Neshamas can achieve and only Neshamas living in bodies. And naturally, like the person who's now got the passion to work again, naturally they'll start working. So naturally, when we invoke the Zekeli, the Zehayoim, the godliness of the world, naturally, of course, that will result in the perpetuation of the world. We'll move on. So now that we have this context that the recreation of the world annually on Rosh Hashanah is not something independent. When the world was originally created on Chofei Elul, that was a standalone event. But now it's not. Now the recreation of the world is a direct and natural consequence of the fact that Abishai is re-engaged with the pleasure of having his people and therefore once a world. It turns out that each year now on Rosh Hashanah, when the world is recreated, it's a far deeper, more profound experience than it was originally. Because originally, Hashem created the world to have a world. Now they was just recreating the world to have a purpose. The union from Chidosh Olam was Tutzichov Rosh Hashanah is not as a Zolzain Avelt. The goal of Rosh Hashanah's recreation is not just so there should still be a universe. Now, as in Felsosan Gile Elikus, there's a purpose that there should be a space within which godliness could be revealed. The purpose is to draw into the experience of Koi, which is the tangible universe we live in, the awareness of Zeh, which is absolute consciousness of Hashem. The template of this happened on the original sixth day of creation when Adam Arishan was created. What was the first thing he did? Adam Arishan didn't sit in his little corner saying, okay, I'm going to dedicate myself to Hashem and accept Him as my king. He had a tremendous impact and influence over all other living beings. Let us all come together and praise and daven to Hashem who made us. Same thing plays out every year in Rosh Hashanah. We bring that value to the world. So the goal of Rosh Hashanah is not just the recreation of the world, but most importantly, the, the manifestation of godliness in the world, which only we can achieve. Needless to say, there's a massive difference between our personal experience of divine revelation versus the experience that the world will have. When I'm looking through the lens of my neshama, it's, it's possible to actually see godliness. Because the neshama is, is godly. Yet in the world, even when we reveal godliness in the world, it's not going to be as clear as it is to the neshama. As we already mentioned, it's kind of an apparition. It's a version of elikus. It's not absolute crystal clarity of elikus. Another we've established that the fact that Rosh Hashanah is tethered to our existence and our commitment to doing what Hashem wants to bring Elikus into the world, therefore the world is renewed annually. 
It's not now, but now the Rebbe is going to give us a fascinating perspective. We shouldn't now think, oh, well, the world is just like some kind of a, a tag along, like some kind of a secondary item because there's so much energy and because there's so much, uh, 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 you know, passion in the world or gilo in the world. Therefore, there's a world. But actually having the physical universe is actually a key component of Rosh Hashanah. Which is fascinating. Because as the Ike Adin for Rosh Hashanah is a la gufes, as Altareba tells us, the primary judgment that happens in Rosh Hashanah is about physical things. If in Yolim Gashmim. Was verbunden damit, was dies Galus von Pneumius, Rotzen, no Elian, darf Nimschach werden, no Matel, Islamisch begashmus. And the reason for that is because all the great revelation in the world is only valuable if that revelation enters our world. Valafapi, as the Gila in the Kusin, and even von Zevidosis in Demodem. Even though our experience of Giloy Lekos with the lens of our Neshama, which is totally clear, or potentially, is Phil Hacher from the Giloy Vos Vetufkitonim Velkenal, will always be a more advanced experience of Giloy Lekos than what the world can handle. But the goal is not how wow our experience is, but rather how far, far spread and how ubiquitous. The Elikos Meaning to say, The goal and objective of revealing Hashem in the world is not that we higher level beings should experience godliness, but that every level being should experience godliness, even if it's a lesser appreciation, should still have Gilelikos. This is similar to what the Rambam tells us. Just like you can identify a wise person with their wisdom. He says that's got to filter down that you should be able to recognize a wise person by their conduct, by their clothing, by how they eat. The ultimate state of revelation of what a Chacham is all about is not in the world of intellect, but the fact that it translates into ordinary experiences of life. Then you know that this person is really a Chacham. They're not just a Chacham in their head, they're a Chacham in their entire being. When the parts of the body or the parts of the person's behavior that don't have a natural link to wisdom are conducted by his wisdom, then we know that the person is truly wise. So when the parts of the world that are not naturally inclined to Gilolikos experience Gilolikos, then we know that we've achieved true revelation of godliness. Now we can understand why this particular, what we've spoken about, two elements of Hashem's uh, covenant with us, the part of the covenant which are with us, which is to become a nation, that's related to the principle of Zeh. What does that mean? Whereas in our parasha where it says the man that Abish is going to endorse and, and sustain and ratify our relationship with Hashem, that is not linked to the word Zeh. Why not? If we wanted to identify the realm of clarity represented by Zeh and the realm of haziness which is represented by Koi within a person, that would easiest be described as the soul versus the body. Soul has acute awareness of Hashem. The body has general awareness of Hashem. Or, we could be more subtle and say, absolute clarity sits at the core of the neshama. The part of the neshama that lives inside the body loses some of that clarity.
So where did you have absolute clarity at the time of Matan at the moment of the giving of the Torah, the core relationship and covenant between us and Hashem was forged. That was based on the nature of our neshamas. Our neshamas are pure. Therefore, there is a natural link between us. When you're looking from the perspective of neshama, godliness is absolute. It's clear. It's, it's tangible. As long as the Jews were still in the desert, which meant that they were completely removed from the materialism of this world. Then that original bond was enough to keep the connection, because there were no major distractions. But our parasha is talking where the Jews are on the doorstep of Israel. They're about to go into normal life. They're not going to be able to succeed just based on a covenant which is at an Ashama level. In order for them to sustain their relationship and commitment to Hashem, even when they are invested in physical pursuits. They would need that covenant to now translate into their conscious neshama, the ones living in the body that's going to engage with the world in all of its materialistic issues. And that should eventually filter down into the body itself. The whole chap is how we're going to be in the goof reality, the materialistic reality, and still live fun of in front of or close to or with Hashem. It's only when we're able to translate the theoretical covenant with Hashem into a practical covenant with Hashem. So we're not just looking from the lens of a pristine neshama in a protected environment, but from the lens of a human in a testing environment. Then it's Then the covenant will be immutable because the person will be able to ride any storm. That's why every single year when we come to Rosh Hashanah, which is the time of the Christmas, where we're going to renew our covenant with Hashem, we can be secure and confident even before Rosh Hashanah comes along because we're reading these parishes even before Rosh Hashanah that we will succeed in our court case, so to speak, on Rosh Hashanah. Not only will we succeed in the spiritual realm of our being, but even the physical needs that we have will also be granted. So that every one of us will receive a good ksiva and a good chasima and a sweet year. Both in the physical realm, all the things that we need in the three main areas of life, health, children, and panosa. And we'll also have that success in spiritual terms. And the blend of both the physical and the spiritual together. And all of it in good that is absolutely revealed and accessible to all of us.